A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The Doctor. They're a force to be reckoned with. The oncoming storm, the destroyer of worlds, the one who kept a pack of Daleks at bay with nothing but a jammy dodger. The Doctor strives to save lives and not end them, even through the events of the Time War and whatever other life-threatening scrapes they get themselves into. I'm the Doctor, and I save people, Doctor 12 once said. It's not exactly the most inspired line of dialogue written, but it does what it says on the tin. But... Be it in self-defense, after a complete and utter accident, or because they genuinely intended to, the Doctor does indeed have blood on their hands. I'm Rich, your go-to for Doctor Who from WhatCulture.com, and these are ten times the Doctor has killed. Number 10. He shot a general while saving Clara. I think you need a bang. Oh good, he's talking about Clara button. Sets off some alarms or something. Hellbent saw the Doctor in proper zero given mode. He's just spent a billion years hammering away at some crystal wall, dying over and over again inside a confession dial. Of course, he's going to be pissed. A few episodes prior, Clara went and got herself killed by taking a mark for death off somebody else, putting it on herself, and just expecting the Doctor to save her. Nicely done, Clara. Nicely done. Anyway, after the Doctor escapes the confession dial and ends up back on Gallifrey, turns out the Time Lords have a means of saving somebody moments, milliseconds, before their deaths. And oh look! Clara's back. Yay. Also present is the General, last seen in the day of the Doctor, who helped the Doctor rescue Clara. However, he wasn't so keen on Clara going too far away, as cracks in time might occur since she shouldn't really be alive. So the Doctor whips out a pistol and fatally shoots the General. This event is at the bottom of this list since the General can and does regenerate since he's a Time Lord, but as it's known in Time Lord lore, regenerating definitely feels like dying, and the Doctor's murderous intent was definitely there in his attack eyebrows. He wasn't taking no for an answer. He was saving Clara, and no one was getting in his way, not even one of his own. Number 9. He disintegrated an Ood with a makeshift TARDIS As I mentioned earlier, not every time the Doctor has killed is because they genuinely wanted to. It can happen purely by accident. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Hooniverse at any given time, so there's bound to be some collateral damage, some lost friends and lost foes, or just complete and utter vaporization. The Ood are a slave race. They've cropped up in Hoon numerous times before, and they have a particular penchant for being possessed. Most of the time their eyes turn red, but in this instance, they turned green. The Doctor's wife detailed the Doctor, Amy and Rory ending up outside the universe on a sentient asteroid known as House. There were some patchwork people, some Time Lord cubes, the Ood in question, and the TARDIS had boobs. I wished really, really hard. 
House eventually has Amy and Rory pinned in an old control room within the TARDIS, and set to nephew, the now-possessed Ood, the task of killing them. At this point, Idris, the humanoid TARDIS with the boobs, and the Doctor has crafted a makeshift TARDIS to fly and land inside the Doctor's TARDIS to hopefully get rid of House, but landed on nephew when they arrived. He was subsequently scattered into atoms. Not deliberate, but uh, definitely painful. Ouch. Number eight, she suffocated a colony of spiders. The most recent entry on this list, Series 11's Arachnids in the UK, continued a trend running with Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor. We had no idea where her moral compass was pointing. So, we have some giant spiders. It's not the first time we've seen them in Doctor Who, and I'm pretty certain it's not the last. We've had our political swing at Trump, as you do, and we're rounding off the episode with a massive giant spiders and their humongous queen running amok in an unfinished hotel. So how does the Doctor rectify this situation? We've got our not Trump since Trump already exists within the Hooniverse but may as well be Trump character pointing a gun at the helpless queen, with the Doctor trying her damned hardest to make sure the queen isn't shot. This large beastie is finding it hard to breathe, so the Doctor can't really save her anyway, but still doesn't want her to be shot, and she's dead. The Doctor is angry. Killing this poor creature? Awful. You'd never see the Doctor doing something like that. Hang about. Let's rewind like five minutes to when the Doctor herded the smaller but still pretty huge spiders through the dope tunes of Stormzy into an airtight panic room, shut the door, and suffocated the lot. This sudden turn in the Doctor's moral compass left most of our heads spinning, and for the rest of the series, her compass still definitely wasn't pointing in just one direction. Number seven, he drowned the Ragnos race. Remember when Doctor Who did Christmas specials? Oh, those days are gone. 2006's The Runaway Bride brought us our first taste of future companion Donna Noble and brought some real fire to David Tennant's 10th Doctor. This was the second special of the reboot series and it still featured robot Santas, killer Christmas trees, and oh great, we're talking about spiders again. The Ragnos have been lying in wait in the center of the earth for centuries, waiting for the right time to emerge and destroy the entire planet. The Doctor gives the Emperor of Ragnos a chance to leave. He'd take her and her children to a planet where they can survive without causing any harm to anyone, as the Doctor does. She refuses. So, the Doctor, a no-second-chances sort of a man, more on that later, flushes the Empress down a big hole to the center of the Earth with the rest of her children, basically wiping out an ancient species. The Doctor does sort of snap out of his rage and look in horror at what he'd done, but still, genocide. He didn't manage that in 1975 with the Daleks, but he managed it with the Ragnos in 2006. Whoops. Number six, he made a pair of guards fall into an acid bath. It's not just the new Who Doctors who've managed to off a few people in their time. Colin Baker's sixth Doctor, a character known for being a little more abrasive compared to Doctors before, has done the deading deed. 1985's Vengeance on Varos saw the out-cold Doctor about to be melted by two guards in a bubbling acid bath. However, the Doctor awoke from this non-consensual slumber to find said pair of guards just, you know, looking over this bubbling liquid. Tapping one on the shoulder, they jump since they were pretty certain the Doctor was deadybys, and one falls into the goop. Nice. The second guard puts up a bit of a fight with both the Doctor and said guards taking turns to stagger and teeter over the edge of this bath. But once it's the guard's turn to, you know, hover over it, the partially melted first guard pulls the second one in for good measure. So it's not like the Doctor exactly knowingly and willingly sent this pair to their doom. In fact, it was really just an unfortunate circumstance of the struggle. However, after picking up his coat, he turns to the vat of what is now guard soup and says, forgive me if I don't join you. Now. I know you didn't deliberately kill them, Doctor, but you didn't have to be a dick about it. Number five, he left Solomon to be blown up by missiles. 
Ah, Chris Chibnall. Here he is before he took the reins to the show. His fourth episode, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, was a bit... Meh, the pretty dull title didn't exactly help things, but it did feature the debut of someone who is now Doctor Who royalty, David Bradley. Before he was the first Doctor, before he was William Hartnell, after he voiced a weird vulture thing in the Sarah Jane Adventures, he was Solomon. Long story short, Solomon's ship is wedged in the middle of a Silurian ship, and both are on a collision course with Earth. If it comes within 10,000 kilometers of Earth, missiles will blow up both ships to smithereens. Solomon is a bit of an arse, let's face it. He's killing off the precious dinosaurs and threatens to kidnap and sell Queen Nefertiti. So, the Doctor places the Silurian ship's orb, the thing that the missiles were locked onto conveniently, into Solomon's ship, grabs Nefertiti, teleports away, releases Solomon's ship from inside the Silurian ship, buggers off with the dinosaurs, and leaves Solomon to the mercy of the missiles. That was pretty ruthless of the 11th Doctor. But did Solomon deserve it? Well, maybe. But maybe not total obliteration. We've seen the Doctor give mercy to some of his worst villains in the past, but obviously not this one. Number four, he sent the Sycorax leader plummeting to his death. It's all Christmas specials today. 2005's The Christmas Invasion saw the first full appearance of the 10th Doctor. Most of the time he spends it asleep and working out who he is, what kind of man he is, which is standard post-regeneration stuff, really. The Sycorax intercepted a British satellite known as Guinevere 1, changed course to Earth, controlled all those with A-positive blood, and claimed the planet as their own. The Doctor was still having a nice kit while all this was going on, but eventually he awoke to both the smell of tea and the whiff of humanity's last day. The Doctor powers down the Sycorax's blood control, insults the leader in native Sycoraxic, and a sword fight ensues. The fight is taken outside to a balcony, I guess, on the ship. After losing and regrowing a hand, the Doctor disarms the leader fairly, resulting him to call off his attempt at seizing the Earth. But as the Doctor walks away with a big old grin on his face, the Sycorax leader stands up and charges at him from behind. The Doctor, obviously realizing this, armed with his trusty Satsuma, nails a throw at a button that sort of opened the floor, sending the leader plummeting down to Earth. No second chances. He's that sort of a man. Number three, he poisoned Dr. Solon. Oh, Tom Baker, you are an incredible man. All grins and wondrous whimsicality. The fourth Doctor is probably the most iconic incarnation of the Time Lord, but much like almost every other Doctor, he does have a dark side. To say the Doctor is clever is an understatement. Some of the best Doctor scenes in the whole of Who are those times when they make something out of nothing. In 1976's The Brain of Morbius, yes, we're visiting this episode again, the Doctor Doctor battles wits with not only the titular monster, but also its creator, Solon. This is very much a Frankenstein-inspired story. Towards the end of the serial, after numerous attempts to convince Solon to destroy his dangerous creation, Solon locks the Doctor and Sarah Jane out of his laboratory so he can proceed with the final procedure without any interruption. How does the Doctor stop him, you ask? Well, he concocts a cyanide-based gas on the limited things littered around the place, as the Doctor does, and pumps it into the lab. Solon dies a pretty horrific death. Morbius is completed, but then still defeated by the end of the episode. But since Solon was about to give a very dangerous criminal Time Lord a new body to wreak even more havoc, that's who Morbius is, were the Doctor's actions justified. Number two, he blew up an entire legion of cyberships. It's definitely up for debate as to whether killing a Cyberman really counts as taking a life, since they're just emotionless voids 99% of the time. 
but we have seen the original humanity these monsters once possess resurface on numerous occasions, such as the emotional inhibitors being switched off in the Age of Steel, I'm doing my duty for Queen and Country in Doomsday, and Cyber Danny going against orders. You have to sound off in the comments down below as to whether this counts, but with the amount of noise the Doctor made with this particular act, it's on this list. In A Good Man Goes to War, the Doctor is searching for the recently kidnapped Amy Pond. The episode opens with Rory decked out in his Roman gear, boarding a cyber ship, bearing a message and a question. A question from him and a message from the Doctor. The question? Where is my wife? Even though Cybermen can't convey facial expression, they all looked kind of perplexed. What is the Doctor's message, they ask. Then the ships you can see behind Rory through the window all begin to explode. Would you like me to repeat the question? Rory asks. Again, how this ranks on the kilometer is up for debate, comments, but the Doctor did definitely detonate a couple of thousand, if not more, Cybermen. So, yeah. Number one, he brutally suffocated Shokai. Hello, Doctor Six. Why am I not surprised we'll be seeing you again? Oh, yeah, that's right. Literally, as soon as you regenerated, you tried to strangle Perry. I think everyone knew from this point on that the Sixth Doctor was definitely cut from some different, more violent cloth compared to his other incarnations. During the events of 1985's The Two Doctors, not only is Doctor Six rubbing shoulders with the last in-person appearance of Patrick Troughton's second Doctor, also present was a character who enjoyed a bit of uh, stabbing people and eating his victims. Nice. Shokai was his name, an interesting fellow, a creature stronger than your average human but with a huge appetite. He eats anything. Since many aliens look humanoid, you can look as to why in my previous video on fan theories, plug 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 plug, you could probably say this guy is a cannibal? Sort of? Anyway, as companion Jamie is being taken away to be eaten by Sir Shokai here, the Sixth Doctor escapes. After being ordered to hold off from making Jamie his supper, Shokai pursues the Doctor who then ends up suffocating and killing Shokai with a butterfly net and more cyanide. Like some entries before, this was very much in self-defense, but seeing the Doctor physically kill someone with his own two hands, irrelevant of how dastardly the victim is, is pretty brutal. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 